Is it better to practice writing Chinese on a computer or by hand? How do you find the right words when writing? And how can you leverage AI to improve your writing ability? Hello and welcome to the Hacking Chinese podcast. This week's episode is a Q&A where I will answer student questions about writing and improving writing ability in Chinese. This week's challenge on Hacking Chinese is also focused on writing, so if you're interested in that, go to challenges.hackingchinese.com and sign up. And if you're listening to this episode in the future, you can still head over there to see what challenge is on when you are listening. These challenges are completely free to join, and you will also find lots of advice on how to improve your writing ability in Chinese by going to the written article on Hacking Chinese. Before we get to the questions, I'd like to mention that next week there will be discounts for two of my courses to celebrate the Chinese New Year. So if you're interested in that, keep an eye out. And the best way to do this is probably to subscribe to my newsletter. I'm also going to open my pronunciation course for registration again later in February. And for that, you can check pronunciation.hackingchinese.com. So now that we have the announcements out of the way, let's get to the questions. The questions I answer in these sessions have come from students, sometimes through the website, sometimes through email, sometimes through social media, or even in person. And so if you have a question about learning Chinese, feel free to contact me, leave a comment on Hacking Chinese, or send an email to editor at hackingchinese.com. So today we're going to discuss three questions about writing ability in Chinese. And just to be clear, when I say writing ability here, I mean composition, your ability to express yourself in written Chinese. I do not mean writing characters by hand, although that can certainly be part of the writing process. But since the first question is actually about the difference between writing on a computer and writing by hand, we will get back to this shortly. The second question is about how to look up words properly when writing, and this happens quite a lot, because when we write, maybe we experiment a little bit and we have time to think, and then we can use dictionaries, but how you do this is actually not very straightforward, and this is a good question. The third question I will address in this episode is about using AI to improve your writing ability. Okay, so now that we know what's on the menu, let's dig into the first question. This is from an anonymous student who wants to know if they should practice writing texts by hand or by computer, i.e. by typing. Just like I said a minute ago, handwriting can be part of the writing process, but it doesn't have to be because these days we have computers, so we can type instead. As those of you who have been studying Mandarin for a little while all know, writing and typing are two different things. And so when we write, we need to know certain things, and it is considerably harder than typing, which only requires us to know the pronunciation, and sometimes the ability to select the correct characters among many options. There are pros and cons with both ways, and which one you choose depends a lot on what you want to practice, and also what your learning situation is like. It goes without saying that if you want to improve your ability to write characters by hand, then doing so will help you achieve that goal. But if your goal is to express yourself in writing, and this may include then typed texts, it's not at all obvious that handwriting is the best way to go. There are several downsides with writing by hand, and the most obvious one is that it takes an awful lot of time compared to typing, and if your goal is to practice how to string together words into sentences and how to express yourself, 
The handwriting bit doesn't really help and it actually makes it a lot harder because sharing a digital text and having somebody look over it and give you feedback or something like that is much simpler than scanning or taking a photo of something you've written by hand. So the answer here should be pretty straightforward, I think. If your main goal is composition and not handwriting, you should definitely type most of the time. But if your goal includes writing texts by hand, then you should of course practice doing that as well. It's worth noting that if you really want to learn to write the characters by hand, maybe writing long texts is not necessarily the most efficient way of doing it, especially not when you're past the beginner stage and you start having lots of characters. Many of the characters you tend to forget will not appear very often when you write, so you're better off using some kind of spaced repetition such as Critter. I've talked about using flashcards and spaced repetition for handwriting specifically on the podcast before, and the best episode to start with is number 70. As usual, I'll provide links to more reading on Hacking Chinese in the description of this episode. Before we move on to the next question, I'd like to highlight that you don't have to choose between writing on computer and writing by hand. You can of course do both, and how much you do of each will then be dictated by your goals for learning Chinese and your learning situation. As an example, if you study Chinese in secondary school here in Sweden, you are required to be able to type much more than you are able to write by hand. This, I think, is the most sensible approach, and as a beginner it makes sense to learn a core set of characters, including writing them by hand, but beyond that I don't think that handwriting everything that you are able to type is very worthwhile for a majority of students. Okay, let's move on to the second question, which is from Chloe, who wants to know how she should look up new words when writing. Like I said in the introduction, this is something we do all the time, and I think many of us experiment a little bit more with the language when we have extra time to think, which is what we do have when we write. Many students also try to write harder things than they can say, precisely because they do have access to more resources and can rely on things such as dictionaries. This is more easily said than done, however, and having taught many courses at university where students hand in reports and written text in Chinese, I can say that most students are not very good at using dictionaries. And this sounds strange at first, if you are not a teacher maybe, because you'd think it's easy to figure out how to say something in Chinese, you just type the word in a dictionary and it will give you the answer. However, if you think it's that simple, it might mean that you are not using the dictionary properly either. In the question, Chloe mentions that she hands in texts to teachers or sometimes maybe to a language exchange partner for feedback, and they comment on the words that she has looked up in dictionaries and she finds that they are rarely used correctly. This is precisely because of the reason I just mentioned, so if you take an English word, put it in a Chinese dictionary and take the first option you see, you are almost always going to end up with a sentence that does not work. Students are forgiven for making this type of error at least a few times in the beginning because learning Chinese in this regard is quite different from learning other languages. So for example, if you are a native speaker of English and you're learning Spanish, looking up words in this way will work quite often. And if the languages are even closer, such as when a Swedish person learns English, you can usually rely on this type of translation and you will get it right maybe 80% of the time. In Chinese, however, as Chloe has noticed, it almost never works. To make this answer a little bit more concrete, let's look at a specific example. So let's say you're writing a text about your commute, for example, and you want to describe that the traffic is heavy. 
In English, this means that there is a high volume of traffic, so many vehicles on the road, which might impact your commute time and things like that. Assuming that you know that traffic in Chinese is jiao tong, you might then conclude that heavy traffic would be jiao tong hen zhong, or something to that effect. You would be wrong, however, this is not how this is expressed in Chinese, and instead it's more common to say something like jiao tong yong du, jiao tong yong ji, or similar, i.e. that the traffic is crowded, which sounds weird in English, but perfectly fine in Chinese. As a side note, this type of translation would actually fail to Swedish as well, because we don't use heavy traffic to describe the situation, but rather to describe the vehicles themselves being heavy, such as big trucks or maybe construction machines. So the problem here is that the English word heavy has several meanings that are distinct and different from each other, and only some of them overlap with the Chinese word zhong. And so the meaning of heavy that we're after here, i.e. the one that can describe traffic, is expressed differently in Chinese using a completely different word. If you have already been learning Chinese for a while, you will not be surprised by this because it happens all the time, and in fact there will be very few cases where there's a one-to-one -one mapping between words in English and Chinese, or you could argue that it's almost never the case. To further illustrate this point, let's take the same example one step further. So if you want to say heavy rain in Chinese, you'd then think that you can use yongji to describe rain, but this also sounds weird in Chinese, and the most common way of saying that it rains a lot is to say yuhanda, so we use big instead of heavy. So even now that we have separated out one specific meaning of heavy as being a high volume of something, such as rain or traffic, which works in English, we have seen that this in Chinese can require two different words. So if you just look this up and plug this word into your Chinese sentence, this is why it will almost always be wrong. I think part of the problem here is that it's hard to realize how complex a language is, and that includes your native language, or maybe specifically your native language, because you haven't studied it as an adult. This means that when you have a word you want to express in a foreign language, you rarely think of the meanings that this word has in your native language and which different contexts can be used. You have one meaning in mind, and you'd think that the dictionary can then read your mind, which of course it can't. I chose to use the example heavy because it's a word that has a fairly specific meaning and I think most people have an intuitive feel for it and may not even reflect on the fact that different languages might use it completely differently. If we would have taken another example, it would have been very obvious that you have to do something else than just look up this word. For example, the word set, S-E-T, has 430 different definitions in the Oxford English Dictionary. And it follows then that if you want to say set in Chinese, you first need to be very clear about what you mean when you say set, and if you just look up that word in a dictionary, you will get a very long list of alternatives. So I want to share three tips for how to write text with new words, I mean words that you are not familiar with, and increase your chance of getting it right dramatically. And the first tip is to use collocations. And a collocation is a common occurrence of two words. So for example, heavy traffic would be a collocation or heavy rain. In most dictionaries, you will see at least one example for every different meaning of a word. And so you can then check if the words that appear next to the word you want to use seem to be the same kind of words that appear next to the word you want to use. Many dictionaries, especially online, also have databases with example sentences you can check, and there you can see if the word you want to use can actually be used in combination with the word you want to use it with. 
If you want to take this one step further, you can also use a corpus, which will give you even more examples, so you can check if people actually use this collocation that you want to use. For specific recommendations about what dictionaries and corpora to use, you can check out the article 21 Essential Dictionaries and Corpora for Learning Chinese. And as usual, I'll put links to this article and others that I've mentioned in the show notes. The second tip is to use double translation. This is a quick way to verify if what you have written makes sense, at least superficially, and that is to translate it a second time back to English. So you have a word in English, you look it up in Chinese, you take the Chinese word you think is right and translate it back to English. And if you have a lot of different meanings here, and especially if your meaning is not listed as one of the top ones, you should maybe be a little bit careful. Maybe you got the wrong word. This will highlight that there rarely is a one-to-one -one correspondence between words in languages. And as an example, I once received a text from a student containing a very confusing sentence, and I didn't realize what the student wanted to say until I realized that they had mistranslated the word range from English. He wanted to describe the scope of something, and then fan wei is a great word to use in Chinese, but he wrote yi si lie, which technically also means range, as in a range of things, but that's not what it means here, and it certainly does not work in that type of sentence. These types of sentences can be very hard to understand as a Chinese teacher because there's just a random word in the middle of the sentence that seems to have no connection with anything else until you realize then that there is a connection, it's just not in Chinese. So if you get a lot of question marks from your Chinese teacher when you hand in writing assignments, I suggest that you use double translation. The third tip I want to give is to verify your usage by searching for it or by using AI. So before large language models became a thing, simply searching for your sentence in Google or other search engine might actually tell you if this is the right way to say something. So I just searched for jiao tong han zhong, and all the top hits only have the words spread out over the sentence. So you have jiao tong and then han zhong somewhere else. Nowhere do these appear together, which is an indication that it's not a common collocation in Chinese. In fact, the first hit actually has several alternatives that are all correct or acceptable in Chinese. You can also use quotation marks to search for the exact collocation you have, so jiao tong han zhong in this case, but this can be a bit misleading, and if you do this with this particular collocation, you can see that there are indeed several thousand examples, but they are mostly direct translations from English. What's going on here is of course that the search engines have access to large amounts of data, and if you write jiao tong han zhong, it assumes that you mean something else, because this is not something that people typically search for, or that is indeed common in Chinese. Now, the next step here, and it's a great segue into the third question that we'll get to in a bit, is to use AI to verify this usage. So if you're using, for example, ChatGPT, and you ask it, can you say jiao tong han zhong in Chinese to mean heavy traffic, or is there a better way of saying this? It might tell you that while this is a direct translation from English, it's not actually how it's usually said in Chinese, and that jiao tong yong ji, or maybe jiao tong yong du, are better alternatives. And those were also the ones that were listed on Google when I searched for this. Now the AI is not always right, and sometimes search results can be misleading too. And that's a great segue then to the next question where we will talk about AI. This question comes from William, and he wants to know how I recommend using AI, such as ChatGPT, for improving your writing ability in Chinese. 
AI is a very big topic and it's also something that keeps changing very rapidly, which is why I haven't written that much about it on Hacking Chinese yet. I've been meaning to, but there is simply so much to write and it's hard to know where to start. So I thought addressing this question here can at least partly alleviate the problem. So I will spend an article and an episode giving this question a more thorough answer later, but for now let's ask ChatGPT how you can use ChatGPT to learn to write in Chinese, and I will then use my experience using generative AI to evaluate these suggestions and see if they are actually good or not in practice. When I asked ChatGPT this question, I got 10 suggestions for how to use it to improve writing ability in Chinese specifically, and here they are. Number one, practice conversations. And I'm not going to read everything that ChatGPT wrote because it's rather verbose and it would take a lot of time to do so. But in essence, it's after that you can chat with the bot and thereby learn Chinese. It can respond to your questions and ask you questions and so on. I think this is a decent way of using AI. I have tried this quite a lot and it works mostly well. It doesn't really respond in a natural way, and I think most of us by this time have learned to recognize AI answers because they are written in a certain way. And of course you can modify this by having different prompts and so on, but even if you use just the basic version and just chat with it in Chinese, it is a decent way to practice a written interaction. It's not awesome, it's not the best conversation partner, and it's certainly less interesting than talking with a human, but it is free and it works fairly well. Number two is vocabulary expansion. And here it says basically that you can ask it for a list of vocabulary for a specific topic or something like that. But I see very little reason to use the AI in this way. If you listen and read, you will have more words to learn in Chinese than you can deal with anyway. So someone giving you more vocabulary list is not really what you want. And finding such lists is easy if you really want it. We have talked about lists on the podcast before. And primarily, you should check out episodes 140 and 141. Back to ChatGPT and suggestion number three, which is grammar explanations. I think it does a decent job of this most of the time, but the problem is that unless you know the answer, it's extremely hard to evaluate if it is a good answer or not. And of course, if you already know the answer, you don't need to ask. Besides, I'm not entirely sure how useful it is to read this type of explanation, and if you do want explanation of core grammar concepts, you're better off using something like Chinese Grammar Wiki or a grammar reference book. Moving on to number four, which is writing corrections, and here it suggests you paste your text and ask for corrections or feedback. And this I already mentioned at the end of question two, and this is something that ChatGPT does pretty well. If you post a text and you say, please highlight errors or please help me improve this, it will usually do so and do so correctly. It is after all a statistical model of how the language works. And that means that if it's one thing it's good at, it is to spot things that deviate from this pattern. Number five is translation practice. And it's basically the same thing as I've already mentioned, except that you're translating instead of writing. And I don't see why this would work better or worse than any other type of writing with ChatGPT. So it's a kind of a filler item here, really. Doesn't add much to the advice, to be honest. Number six is about cultural insights. And maybe asking it for cultural insights is not the best way to use it. But it does mention other things in the description that I think are quite useful, such as the difference between formal and informal language. And again here, if you're asked to write a report in Chinese, you've been learning for a while and you're trying to write something slightly more formal, then posting your text and saying, 
Please highlight things in this text that are colloquial or wouldn't work in whatever situation you're supposed to use the text. And this type of feedback is usually quite good. Number seven is writing prompts. And this can be an issue. If you don't know what to write about, you will not write anything. And if you ask it for interesting ideas to write about, I think it will give you good ideas. And this type of brainstorming or collecting ideas from other people and presenting it to you in a nice way is something that the AI is quite good at. Number eight, character practice. And it doesn't mean that you should write characters and post it to it for feedback. It simply means you can ask questions about the etymology of characters, their components, how many strokes they consist of, the stroke order, and things like that. And in my experience, this is very bad. Don't do this. It gets even basic questions wrong and relying on what's randomly collected on the internet about, say, the origin of characters is not the right way to go. Just use a proper resource directly. And in this case, this would be the Outlier Linguistics Dictionary of Chinese Characters. If this is the first time you hear about that dictionary, I'll put a link in the description to my review. Number nine, resource suggestions. And this is something I haven't used it for myself because I think I have a decent grasp of resources already, but I decided to try it just to see what it would say. And this is the best thing you can do. It's awesome at this because the first thing it suggested was hacking Chinese. And it says hackingchinese.com. This site offers insights into learning Chinese efficiently with a focus on real life language skills, including writing, which is of course what we asked for here. So full marks, ChatGPT, great. Number 10, progress tracking. Regularly check in with your writing samples to track your progress over time. And this is the worst advice on the whole list because it doesn't remember what you did before and ChatGPT is extremely bad at referencing outside documents. So for example, it cannot give you an objective idea of how good something is and you can certainly not compare feedback you received at one point with feedback you received at another point. So just don't do this. There are many better ways of tracking progress. And of course, this is something we have covered on the podcast before. So check out episodes 41, 42, and 51, where I talk about tracking and logging language progress. Okay, so that was a mixed bag, I think. Some of the things that ChatGPT recommended, maybe half, are genuinely useful things, and the other half are kind of meh, or just not very useful at all, or outright bad. This is, in my opinion, the main problem with AI. It will give you some very good suggestions and some great ideas, but then it will also be wrong sometimes or give you terrible advice. And if you can tell the two apart, that is not really a problem. But if you can't, it kind of is. And that reduces the usefulness quite a bit. And this is why I want to focus on this more moving forward so I can share my experience with using AI and what things it actually does fairly well with. So regard this as a sneak peek. I hope you found it useful, but stay tuned for more content like this. This brings us to the end of the episode. Don't forget to sign up for the writing challenge and I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Hacking Chinese podcast. If you like this episode, please share it. More information and inspiration about learning and teaching Chinese can be found at hackingchinese.com. See you in the next episode, and until then, good luck with your studies!